Hi, Hi guys. guys, I'm Corey. And I'm Thandi, and we're from the GCR Network. GCR Live is a live podcasting event happening at Front Back, right. November 2nd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's going to have all your favorite podcasts from After the Whistle, After Work Special, and Cecilia Croft. As well as The Other Room, Sex and Sanity, Free Your Mind, and many more. Now remember, again, it's happening here at Front Back on the 2nd of November from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And it's absolutely free, free. but you have to remember to RSVP by the 1st of November. We'd love to have you, so please be here. Yeah, what do you say? Hello? Hello? Mic check? Mic check? Hold on. I'm getting the all clear from the studio. Are your volume, volume levels, levels all set, set listener? All right. After the whistle. Oh, it is long. Hello, and welcome to another episode of After the Whistle. Today, I'm joined by Smiley and Kawawa, and we're going to be delving into some really, really deep stuff, so like no time for long things. Yeah. But you have to, yeah, I'm, I'm a grateful host, I'm a grateful host, so at least I have to ask how you guys are, so to get out of the way. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Corey isn't around today. Doing um, Corey stuff. But obviously, we wish that he was here. So, everyone has their time to jab him, small, small. (laughs) Just just, just for a bit. Tell you, we have plenty things going on. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has their own troubles. We all have our own troubles this time. So, Charlie. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. Uh, Today's episode is kids and football. But then, before we even start having that conversation, it's been 10 years. Yeah. Since Ghana won the Under-20 World Cup, yeah. which was a huge achievement at the time. And uh, Kawawa is here today with us uh, because he actually covered or, you know, put out a documentary on it. Interviewed some yeah. players. A proper expert. He's actually a proper expert. Yes, yeah, yeah. Experts. So, you know, we'll actually put the link uh, alongside the podcast when we put it out. But then, like, Kawawa, mm-hmm. could you uh, touch up on that? Also, um, uh, I think that it's it was a was the biggest moment in our you know, enough, enough I mean, ob- obviously, yeah. there's been no cup win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. I'm sure everybody and, knows where they were. And, and, when that and, and there's this question that I've been asking myself: um, Is Ghana's under 20 World Cup win bigger than the four Afcons we've won and the and the quarter final we got at the World Cup? It's I bigger mean, than the quarter final. I, I, it's bigger I, than the quarter final. No, it's not bigger than the quarter final. No, because you see, that's we, that, that, we are talking that, about an actual win against a quarter final finish. Yeah, but then the 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 the, the circumstances behind it all, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if we just put the game in perspective, yeah. you know, ten, one man down, yeah. you know, going up against a very exuberant Brazil side, yeah. you know. Uh, if you try and compare that to a route to the quarterfinals at the time, yeah. you know, and playing Uruguay, everyone had a, fair, a decent idea that we could win, just as we always have that idea going into any tournament, yeah. you know. But this is something which we can hold, something which we can actually, you know, put forward, put down, and say that we own this this year, right? You know, that, I mean, that's that for me. You guys might probably have different answers, yeah, me because. It was a huge thing, and we were the first African team to win it. Right? Win it yeah, first African. So that's that's just a huge, huge thing, and I on, I honestly can't think of anything better. Like the quarterfinal was also a really exciting time yeah. for us, but 
I think I'll still give it to the other two. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot and I don't know <laughs> I don't know which one of them I would want to choose. But but I think that, I mean, it's a really good memory for right. us. Yeah. I mean, um, from all the way from the group stages where we played Uzbekistan, you know, they were debutants in the competition. I think we really, also beat England. We, yeah, we, we beat England 4-0. We, uh, we drew it to Uruguay. And then we went on to play South Africa. We won. We played a semi-final against Hungary. That was a really hard game where we won... Um, by three goals to two and then we got into the final so yeah, I mean the final not many people give Ghana a dog's chance yeah. just because of the, the history sort of, the history right. Brazil had won it four times before yeah. it was always going to be difficult for a country like Ghana to come so, in and win it and so um, I'll, I'll just I'll just I'll just say at, that, at the time I didn't expect Ghana to do that and yeah. for, for us to go a man down and come back and win it and um, commemorating 10 years it's only right that someone documents the events of what happened around that time and which, i think which, which you also a, you actually said it on a previous episode yeah. that you're going to do this exactly first yeah. which, which was which was a which was a really really good uh, achievement yeah. for us but i mean for players like andre Ayu, for um jonathan mensah yeah. for, Bedou. for um rabiu mohammed and all the other players who were able to make that Step. move into the into the black stars and played mm-hmm. in the black stars for quite some time yeah. i think that g- gave us some hope exactly you know. yeah, it's, they it's, integrated really well yeah it's, no. it's, it's, it's really really good for them but i mean maybe we'll talk about the, the problems later but i think that the the moments from when we won it up until say 2015 were really good times for yeah them. it was like a golden period for us yeah. like, we've had periods of golden periods <laughs> you know from the uh, late 80s to the yeah. early 90s yes. and you know uh the 2000s mm-hmm. even though it was a sort of barren period yeah. we still had some glimpses and exactly some uh hope in our national team i mean this is a football nation yeah right uh sports wise you know we tend to hold down in various fields but mm-hmm. then football has a very special place in all citizens hearts yeah and you know uh, I, for myself anyway i can speak and say that you know that particular time when you once you step on the streets now you know it's a challenge jumps on you know it's a jumps you know penalty to end it always has to be a penalty so exactly it always has to exactly. be a penalty for I think us that was when me i gave up because ghana and penalties is we don't go. Yeah, we don't yeah. Go I mean, I mean, obviously, I felt that everyone felt that way. You, you, mm. you miss, you miss one or two. Then it's like, oh, but then you save two, then brings you yeah, back up exactly. again. Yeah, you know. So yeah, um, credit to the boys who won it. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed, you know, you catching up with them and mm-hmm. seeing them how they've, you know, grown and settled into life yeah. right now. I think the on, the only active players would be Ajimaya. Um, uh, Ajimabedu has Ajimabedu had a problem, so yeah. a medical problem, so he has been out for some time. But Jonathan Mensah was just named Defender of the Year at oh. Columbus Crew, his, really? his okay. club in the MLS. Yeah, wow. and so that's that's great for me. He and Andre are like the only two players from from that crop who actually are still holding the mantle very and Ajimabedu really. Right. But it's just that this season he has been quite dormant. And then <laughs> that also raises questions about the like other stuff because. If it was 10 years ago, they should be at most 30 by now. Right. So it's a bit weird that there are so many of them who have just faded out. So yeah, I mean, we'll, 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 come to, we'll come to that, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that bit about players fading out and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but, but I think that um, for, for the Ghanaian team, when, and, and Andre, for instance, you know, many people say Andre worked because his dad is Abedi and, and all of that. But if you look at Andre as a person, 
he always strives to be great. Yeah, he, hard his, his father is, is his role model. And so he always feels like he's not enough because okay. of what his father does. Okay. And so it's, it's difficult to sort of, you know, um, discredit Andre and say everything that he did is, is, is because of his father. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not the truth at all. Andre actually puts in work. Now, if you look at Jonathan, very, very good player. You know, he has been able to play around in Europe and now he's yeah. in the US enjoying his life and all of that. But if you come down into the team, Samalinkum fell off after Bad. a transfer Bad. problem. Bad. Transfer problem where he got into an issue with his agents over a move he shouldn't have made in the first place when he was moving from Basel. And, and then he, because he was playing actively at Basel, but, he was yeah. playing the Champions League at Basel. He moved away from Basel in a very dubious transfer and then he got into trouble. Then his career came crashing down. If you look at um, players like Gladson Awako, Awako moved to TP Mazembe. He had a really good time at TP Mazembe, winning two uh, CAF Confederations Cup and then get, going into the CAF Champions League final as well. He played regularly at um, TP Mazembe, but I mean, we wouldn't regard him so much because he was, in, he was on the African continent. Then players like Abeku Kwansa, just faded out. Abiku Kwanza, when I was doing the documentary, I, we called him and, and he said he was somewhere in the village with his mother and everybody was asking, what are you doing in the village? Because you won the World Cup 10 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it was really, really strange to, to hear that. For players like Gandhi Kasenu, he never came back. He came, he came back to play for Accra Hatsafok for some time and that was it. David Adi, who I interviewed, yeah. went to play in India. He's now in Finland. And so, I mean, if you, if you look at the, the, the projection, it has just been a tale of unfulfilled promise really because these were really good players who we were all expecting the, the biggest name of them all I, Dominica I think Dia. Yeah. Dominica Dia. exactly yeah. i mean he goes in there scores eight goals and then you know he signs for uh, ac milan yeah. after that and then that was it danilo Pare as well yeah, was at real madrid around that same uh, time yeah. and then he also couldn't make it and so i mean you, you just can't tell what happens but i don't think it's just ghana Really, no, because, I feel like it's yeah. yeah I was even going to touch. I, I can just that. take you to a couple of names who have who played at that same tournament mm. and just couldn't make it. Even in the Brazil team, Alan Kardec. Alan he Kardec, also had a lot of promises. Um, Alex Teixeira. Teixeira, Teixeira we've heard Paulo, his name. Paulo Henrique yeah. Ganso. Yeah, so, I mean, Ganso yeah. <laughs> had all the hype in the world. In, <laughs> in the end, I think I think of of all the teams, it is it is really just Spain who were able to progress. Progress. That I mean, their players. Yeah, if you look at um, Dani Parejo. Um, okay. Jordi Alba, okay. um, there PK, was, was no Pique was Pique couldn't go for that tournament because he had already started playing for the, for the senior team, uh, for the senior team, and so okay. he didn't was go. Bojan in that team, yeah, yeah Bojan, Bojan, Bojan was yeah, in that yeah, team yeah, as well, yeah. and so those those guys actually went yeah. on to do some good things for themselves. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at the other teams mm. for South Africa, for instance, they took Tulani Severo to that World Cup, mm. and then he. He was the only player who actually made his, a name for himself over the course where he went on to play for Ajax. He left Ajax just two years ago and uh, he's, he's now playing somewhere in, uh, in Qatar trying to make money for himself before his, his career winds down. And so, um, I, I mean, the, the German team also had some really good players who just could not make it. And so, I think that we need to ask a, a lot of questions. Tony Cruz to, was he in the... Um, team, I think I'd, I think I'd have to check again, but yeah, I, I, I don't remember Tony Cruz in there. But yeah. you know, if 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 we are going to be honest with ourselves and going to assess young players carefully, one, are we putting too much pressure on them? Two, are we putting them on a pedestal where they are not supposed to be? 
And those are like the two biggest problems. Because I keep asking myself now, what informed Adia's decision so to go to AC Milan <laughs> at the yeah. time when AC Milan had Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Yeah. And at that time, they had strikers who were in the line. I think they had just won two of they had just two, won two, two Serie A titles. Two titles. So and, and, and they were really a high-flying side at the yeah. time. So if you look at them, it was really difficult to see how a young Adia could just break into the team, team like that. When Adia could have found a team like Anderlecht, who were ready to nurture his talents, and then yeah. three years on, he would have moved to a better club. So it's it's really difficult to understand how you know these players' psyches and everything are. I mean, I understand them. I, I don't understand them in one breath, but I understand them on another breath because here's a 19-year-old boy who has really struggled all his life just yeah. to get to the World Cup and score eight goals, and then AC Milan comes knocking and says, "I wouldn't go." It's impossible. Yeah. You get it. I mean, the money will lure him. The yeah. the state the, of the, the club the will pure, lure him. The everything. pure, uh, the pure name. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it yeah. just, it Everybody just wants to play for one of those go. legendary clubs. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so maybe we need people. I mean, agents who just talk to these players and have them grounded for some time, and just make them aware but that you are not ready. They are also looking for a PG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. You know. So, with that even being said. Um, and I think we even have to digress and actually look at the main issue now. Um, the countries which you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Spain and Germany, I believe, yeah. they have you know good structures in place yep. with regards to uh, with regards to the youth setup yep. leading to senior management and even their own uh, local uh, leagues yeah. in which you know they nurture their talents and then they know how they do fast track mm-hmm. or they want to fast track certain players. Yeah. So if you look at those particular two, those two particular countries, you're yeah. able to see some level of uh, or a pathway, mm-hmm. should I say, you know, yeah. from youth football to senior football setup. Yeah. So that begs the question, you know, with those structures even put in place, there have been some players which, you know, um, have been set up mm-hmm. to be the next big thing but then yeah. you know they fall off Bojan really really comes to mind exactly you know and there's some there's a, there's a documentary not a documentary but like a video analysis on the La Masia uh, Football yeah, Academy yeah. Right. and even as a this year they've had they've lost a couple of talents right. and you know it seems like the academy is in shambles mm-hmm. so you know we have to ask ourselves you know despite the fact that there are structures put in place mm-hmm. what exactly you know sort of you know put these young players in a state of uh disingenuity yeah. like they keep they they see all these things but then there's no there's nothing really there to stop them yeah. from you know going beyond uh their limit uh, yeah. their their limitations at the time yeah you know um, i i think that's um one some players we should understand that some players are only going to be good as youth players yeah right. i mean um in 2001 when ghana got into the final with argentina there was this little boy d'alessandro who okay, who was yeah. striking with saviola at the time yeah, yeah. and he tormented us really everybody thought d'alessandro was going to be the best but he never really really made it we should understand that there are going to be players like that like runs for the save for ghana yeah. who at under 17 level was brilliant under 20 then that was it for and him. Even and in Warriors, even twin, <laughs> in two thousand and in two thousand and nine or two thousand and eight, there was yeah. a list of the top fifty young talents in the world. Exactly, and then and there, was, there was Adik Adams. Was, yeah, Sadiq Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Sadiq Adams was at the top. Yes. 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 So, so, so we need to understand that there are some players who are going to be good just at that level, yeah. and and just leave them there, yeah. because nothing makes sense 
of how their careers go after such yeah. good promise when they are young. Because mm-hmm. I don't understand how someone like Richard Sukutapaso didn't make it. You you never really understand why someone like Fran Merida yeah, at yeah, Arsenal yeah, couldn't Arsenal. make it. He, he, because he had everything. He was playing. You you are, you are a Spanish international playing at Arsenal as a Who youth player. Who know how to nurture young talent? Exactly. So how are you not progressing? It's yeah. it's just maybe that you're going only going to be good as a youth player. But away from that, I think that the second point also has to be that pressure from their coaches, from their family, and making them feel they are bigger than what they actually are. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, um, I mean, take Dominica Dia, for instance. I mean, he goes to the World Cup, scores eight goals, he comes back to Ghana. And imagine if, at the time, Adia was playing for a, a club like Hearts of Oak. He was always yeah. going to feel bigger than Hearts of Oak. Yeah, that's true. You get that's it. True. But, I mean, you are certainly not bigger than the club if you scored eight goals at the World Cup as a youth player. Oh, yeah. You know, so that um, uh, that sort of attitude of putting them to a certain level where they are not is the problem because you're not messy at 19 yeah. if you score eight, eight goals, goals at the World yeah. Cup because there are many people who have, who have scored eight goals at the World Cup mm-hmm. and could not make it anyway. I mean, I'm just going through the, the Germany team right now and some really good players. Sebastian Jung was there. The, the Bender brothers were, yeah, were actually... Larson. Larson Sven. Sven. They, played, they played in that tournament. Richard Sukutapaso, who I mentioned. Louis Holtzby also yeah. played in that tournament as well. And Yo, Charlie, players have come and gone. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think what Max, was Max Meyer... Uh, Max Meyer didn't he's play. More, he, he, he's, younger. he's younger. He's, yeah. he's very young. I mean, the, all, all of these players played at the, at, the, at the World Cup then. And they just still couldn't make that progression. I'm looking at the German team right now, and I'm just going to pick out maybe the Bender brothers who sort of made a name for themselves yeah. after. You know, yeah, that, but never really that, catapulted beyond. Yeah, they beyond. were expected to go way beyond. Exactly. Yeah, because they if anything, they were the, I think Sven, no, Lars was the more talented one. Yeah, yeah. Lars was the more. Right. And if anything, you expected him to be the engine of the German team. Exactly. But he hardly featured in yeah. any uh, any tournaments. And if anything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's had, always had, been on the fringe of the team. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. he's had a very yeah. modest career. Not yeah. to say that you know he hasn't been successful. You know, it's, it's it's really difficult to you know peg these guys at that at that level that would peg them. Now, if you compare the the German team to the to the Spanish team that that played at that World Cup, so the Spanish team has Sergio Asenjo as their goalkeeper. Okay. Yeah. They had Cesar Pelicueta oh. as their captain at the time. And then uh, there was um, Aaron Niguez, who's a brother of Saul. Saul mm-hmm. yeah. And then Ander Herrera played at that World Cup. Oh, really? Danny Parejo played. Jordi Alba was there. Um, there was also Aurel Romeu, mm-hmm. who also played there. Fran Merida and Iago Falke, who played for Tottenham Hotspur up until yeah. recently. And then Emilio Insue, who later on mm-hmm. decided to play there. for um, Equatorial Guinea. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you look at all of these players, I, I mentioned about nine players, yeah. and seven of them have been really good. Yeah. And the, this Spanish team didn't even do properly at that World Cup. Up, yeah. So, I think that the progression should always be maybe when the youth team gets into some trouble at the World Cup, yeah. then they sort of look into themselves and say, maybe we don't, we are not as good as we think we are, and so we start putting in work to become that good. Yeah. You know, I th- I, with that even being said, I think for teams such as that who have such a large crop of talent to even pick mm-hmm. from, it's more so um, you know structuring where we exactly pick yeah. our players from yes. to you know feature in the, the tournaments in which we are vested in. Yeah. Because I feel like for the senior team, they will honestly pick from top clubs as compared to 
a B team player who is playing at the tournament such as under 20. Yeah. You know, yes. who, and who are starting that. Mm-hmm. If anything, he might feature in a qualifier or a friendly if yeah. he shines and then, you know. Yeah. For teams such as that, the pool is very, very big. Mm-hmm. So for them to even, you know, sort of put their mind on this is where we are going to pick our next big talent from, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's, I feel like that's not where their mind is at. Yeah. But as compared to developing countries, mm-hmm. Brazil has a very large pool to pull Very from. large. Very large. But then <laughs> they, 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 as a football nation, they take every tournament they participate in seriously. seriously. Yeah. You know, I think they, before uh, the Copa America, their recent, their most recent trophy was uh, mm-hmm. either Olympics or Confederations. I th- I, I can't be. 2012. Was it 2012? Uh, okay, it should be Olympics. It should be Olympics. That was when Lucas Moura and Neymar yeah. went there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lucas, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have big talents. And even Neymar at the time, too, was playing at Barcelona. That was just before. Just before he went. Before, yeah. So he had been touted and had been scouted, was performing uh, exceedingly well at Santos. Yeah. But then, you know, he still went to go and play at a not so glamorous tournament. Yeah. But then still, you know, Brazil puts their hopes. It's actually surprising how seriously they take the Olympics because it's not even like you're one of the major traditional The thing is, if it's football, they want to win. They yes. Want to win. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, mm. if anything, it's a mindset which sort of emanates from the top yeah. and then trickles all the way down to yeah. the bottom. So, even if we look at Ghana, where, you know, Talent might be there, mm-hmm. but then opportunity to showcase that talent is not really there. Yes. So whatever you are presented with, that's where you actually go and you know yeah. sort of pick your stars from. And then if you nurture that, you protect that, you sort of uh, step in and say that we have this in store for you, and we we'll actually ensure that you know you are com- better compensated or settled or sorted mm-hmm. in whatever way, so that our interests are also protected, your interests are also protected. Yes. It's a win-win thing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, something like that has to be in existence, yeah. just so that you know, as a football nation, we can move forward. Because mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have to follow any particular model. Yeah. What works for the Spaniards and the Germans yeah. wouldn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily work, work for us. us. Yeah. But then you know, if we sort of play to our strengths, yeah. we have an okay-ish local league where <laughs> where you have, you know, talents on display, you know, in flashes. Yeah. Very, very, very minor flashes. Mm-hmm. But then if you're actually able to form a team and send them out to a tournament okay. and they actually, you know, do progress really nicely, mm-hmm. right now, what's the next stage? Take them to a sort of B-level team in Europe and see how they perform there. Mm-hmm. Then if big names come calling, you sort of analyze. Yeah. The AC Milan move, which you mentioned, didn't make sense at the time. Yeah. But then if you had a more nurturing team, like yeah. a Genk, an Andelex, exactly. uh, I don't even want to say MLS, but then uh, somewhere in Europe where yeah. you could display regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there should be a Ghanaian who plays in Belgium. I just can't remember. Um, there's Danilo Pari plays uh-huh, in Danilo Pari, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. He might not be anywhere, but then he is constantly playing top flight football oh, yeah, and then can come back into the national team and play his role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about understanding where we see ourselves yes. as a nation, yes. develop that and try and be better. Right. Not not so not but for me, going beyond that. I think there's one important part we are all we are skipping, or maybe we are dancing around, and that's the football age aspect. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the thing is not about... I mean, Corey, if Corey was here, I feel like he would... Have, he would give us yeah, an, yeah, more in-depth because he has an academy and everything. Yeah. But I feel like that part is something that we should really take into consideration because it's like there are players who 
for you, you might think that um, he's 20 years old, he's performing very at a very high level, so he should be able to progress. But in reality, he's probably like 29 or something. So what you think is his potential is actually his peak. His current, yeah. So then um, you'd be there expecting that, okay, he's able to do this at this age, so he's going to end up at this level, but... That's that's where he has hit his ceiling. Yeah, that's true. where. He, so that's one very important part. That yeah. So it's it if anything, it's for it's for us to sort of look out, try and keep. If you know we can manage it. But I feel like they are doing something because um, last year or something, I saw a team picture of an a Ghana under seventeen team, mm -hmm. and they actually looked under seventeen no, because we were banned. After that MRS scan, okay, okay. Yeah. So these days they are they picking players just around that same age. Okay, so it's not like. And, and you but, see, I, you know, I feel like sometimes this whole age thing is is, is overrated yeah. because, I mean, if you look at someone like Michael Essien, yeah, I mean, Essien played in 2001 at under 20 level. Yeah. And if you look at the number of games that Essien played from 2001 up until when he retired, it won't make sense if Essien was, say, 27 at the time. At the time. Do you yeah. get it? Because at that at a very high level, he he can't be thirty seven and be playing it. like how he was playing at Chelsea. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Asamojan, you know, says, As yeah. now, says he's he's thirty three. He's thirty three you know? now, and yeah. up until now, he sort of produced. His career has gone like according to his age. According like, to his age, not and so you know, I, sometimes you know there, there are instances when some of the players you know the yeah, sort of yeah, over exaggerate. Exactly, yeah. but I mean, if you look at it, you know, they they sort of cheat. But it's just a two-year, three-year. Not year. as much as we it's think. Not as much as we think it is. Like okay. Just a two-year, three. I don't want to mention names. Because <laughs> 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 but I mean, you know, it just it just takes you on that level. Because yeah. the reason why I'm saying that is that when you look at that that 2001 team, yeah. I mean, there was Derek Boateng, there was Adukwe Papo, there was Sule Muntari, there was Michael Essien, yeah. there was John Mensah, John Pencil. Those were like, those were like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were seven players in that under twenty side who yeah. sort of came into the Black right. Stars and yeah. played for well over ten years. Mm -hmm. So it won't make sense if these guys were were twenty nine then when they were playing in under twenty. Yeah. And, oh, and, and maybe like twenty five, and then you said that they were like twenty one. <laughs> then they played that to thirty something, but they were actually they were forty. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> they they but, gave yeah. us good memories and at least yeah. performed at a high level. Exactly. You yes, know, yes, uh, yes. I, I I don't think any coach or even the the FA would sort of put or try and even you know put themselves in a position in which they can be scrutinized yes, like that. Yes. You know, so in as much as yeah, like you said, there is some cheating. Yeah. There was some I cheating in a sense. Yeah, I think that's uh, things have to change. You know, something that's very staggering is that, I mean, in the past nineteen years, we've had three FA presidents. And the man who actually made an impact amongst these three FA presidents is the guy who held the position from 2000 to 2003. He just had three years under his belt and he did wonderful for Ghana. Because if you look at the teams that got to the World Cup, the youth teams that... He actually laid out the blueprints that okay. teams have to follow a certain sect. This is, this is something that is Ghanaian. If you're going out to represent Ghana, you should look this way. You should be, you, know, you should play in, in this sort of way. And we should take it seriously as a country. And if you, if, if you look at the players who were produced just around his time, yeah. it tells you that you know, around that time, they football was taken seriously. Work, yeah. The man who got 13 years under his belt as FA president sort of tore down structures. Because then... Or didn't properly, or didn't take it to the next level. He didn't I take feel it like to the next level. Like he was chasing short-term 
objectives. That was, that, was, that was his problem. His problem was to try and sort of win a World Cup. Yeah. Say, go Something to the semifinals with the World Cup. Yeah, just to so show. that everybody would say, oh, it was done in, in his time. But if he had sort of laid back a bit and made a proper plan, irrespective of how our football was going really good at the time, yeah. we could have still been good at this time when nobody actually really cares. Do you get it? So mm. there has to be that there has to be that consistent level. Yeah. It shouldn't drop. And the fact that it has dropped is the reason why we always go back and say his administration was poor. Yeah. But maybe not necessarily as poor as we think. But you know, we need to just look at things in that sort of way. I mean, Ghana football is you know, I, I know Ko Ko really loves Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really loves the Black Stars, but but right now he wouldn't care so much. Yeah. You get it. I mean, many and many people out there wouldn't care so much. I mean, it is my job, so I would have to care. But yeah. sometimes I ask myself that if if it wasn't my job, would I care? Would you care? And and, and yes. I can't really answer it properly. So you know, it begs the question of what plans are we putting in place? If there's a proper plan for youth players, as Ko said where we know our standard and we know that we should sort of put them through this meal to yeah. get what we want, then it's going to be better. All right. So if you guys haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter, send us like, uh, suggestions, like, retweet the content which you see, and, uh, you know, yeah, keep on supporting us. Uh, even Wait, I have to ask my producer. Is even now that we sort of... Uh, give the announcement for the live event? Um, I think at the end. Of at the it. end. All right, all right, all right. So you guys just uh, hold on to, uh, and listen and keep on listening. We have something in store for you guys. Uh, to sort of close this out, right, um, just to bring it home. I remember growing up, me in particular, you know, my dad didn't want me anywhere near sports. <laughs> like it was, I mean, even if, even if it was just to keep healthy, crack, he, didn't, he didn't want to see <laughs> football in the house. He didn't want to see any basketball yeah. in the house. Asking for a rim to kind of put on the garage wall. You know, didn't want any of that. And, you know, as of right now, because we're talking about kids and whatnot, like, I want to ask you guys, you know, growing up, like, how do your parents, you know, sort of relate to sport? Because that mental pressure which Carl talked about, you know, uh, it sort of starts from home. Either you are baked up or you are stripped down. Yeah. Yeah. So either you fight through that mental barrier mm-hmm. and then you believe in your talent and then you actually go, go ahead and then, you know, sort of make a name for yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, it's really talent unfulfilled. Okay. You know? Like for you guys, mm-hmm. how, how was it growing up? For me, I don't think there was ever a point where like I was serious about Like I used to play football a lot, but... I never gave my parents the idea that I wanted to play. But I saw my mates who were serious about sports and everything. And none of them, I don't know any of them who were actually properly supported by their parents. And I think it's just a a general African thing. Your parents, I think your parents, most of them, they just want you to be safe. That's the thing. They have good intentions. They They don't want to see you grow up and fail. So they want you to get a typical job where where there's some security there's security because i'm sure it's also from experience because they've also seen their mates who tried to go into these unorthodox um career paths Mm. and then they failed so i think it's just a general african parent thing that when it comes to sports they're not going to take you seriously they're not going to back you yeah but you we've seen how much it's changed over time where you know the there is the, the, the the technology has improved the science has improved uh, dramatically with regards to uh, sports science and physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. 
and all that. So, you know, in terms of it being, I understand, but at the same time, too, you know, what your kid loves is what your kid loves. Yeah, naturally, like, there, ideally, you should you should encourage your kids to follow what their hearts and do what they want to do. But, like I said, it's just about trying to... So, you right now, right now, if you're born, I know say you don't want to be, <laughs> but if you're born, <laughs> if you're born, where you see, say your your boy or your girl, they, you know, play ball bad. Honestly, I'm not going to see that I'm, I'm just going to support him and let him go. First of all, I'm going to analyze how good I actually think he is. If there's potential, yeah. if there's put, but I'm not going to see you playing like Mark Tomini or something. <laughs> yo, yo, <laughs> don't, don't, don't come from McSauce, bro. Don't come from McSauce, bro. I'm going to see some Lingard. Don't come from McSauce, bro. You're going to be cursing me that you are the one who gave it to Lingard. No, no, no. Now, I'm going to actually look at you, see how good you are at what you do. If I think there's potential, I'm going to support you. If I don't think there's potential, because I have a cousin who the guy he sucks, he's not good. But his parents, encourage, like they help, like they take they, him to academy. Like, if it was left to me, I'll sit him down and tell him actually read your books, learn because this is not your calling. <laughs> this is not, not your calling. Your, your calling. <laughs> but if his parents have decided to support him, and I think that one also comes from the fact that the parents so they are well to do, so I think that also helps because. Yeah. Yeah. You I, mean, I mean, Carl, you should you would have noticed this, right? Interviewing guys, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. especially from Bukum, the, yeah. bo the yeah. whole boxing exactly. thing. Yeah. No, you see that the thing about you, you, when you when you put Bukum in perspective, yeah. then you know the the conversation changes yeah. because in Bukum they don't want to go to school, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the parents also didn't and go to the school. The parents so. didn't go to school, so 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 they wouldn't really care. Yeah. Because I go to Bukum at say around one p.m. And then there are boys in the gym boxing their, their hearts away. <laughs> I mean, why are you boxing when the sun is hot? <laughs> like, they're just they're training. Like, they're hard, very hard training. Mm. And, you know, there are boys also on the, on, the, on the football field trying, those who don't want to box are actually playing football. And so, you know, maybe we should just move the conversation a bit from Bukum and come to, say, um, a neighborhood like, say, Achimota, like, for instance. Like a middle class. Like the middle mm. class. Mm. And because, because my, my dad... My dad sort of would have supported me if I had played sports, but okay. he knew I didn't like sports like that. Okay. If if I was going to play Says ball, the sports journalist. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to play ball outside, yeah. it would just be, oh, let's go and play some four corners or something. Yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't something that I was crazy about. Yeah, yeah. What I was crazy about was table tennis. Okay. And I just knew that, I mean, it, it wouldn't take me to the next level if I'm if I'm playing table yeah. tennis. As Actually, from Ghana, from so, Ghana, that's yeah. a long part. Exactly. That's a very so, long part. So, I mean, so for I, anywhere. Yeah. So, so I sort of I sort of dropped, you know, table tennis yeah. at, uh, you know, at a very young age. But as as because, as Mali said, you know, it, it just just because they want to make you safe and, and yeah. you know, I mean, safe from injuries and yeah. then safe from because career, look know? at how difficult it is to convince your parents to buy you a bicycle. A bicycle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basic things like that, you yeah. know. It's just because they, they feel like oh, the drivers are no good. You know, yeah. you're going to hurt yourself and those things. And you know, a, a career that would help you. Yeah. But I think that over a period of time, at this moment, like. As you said, going around and interviewing people, I think that mindsets are changing. Okay. These days, people want their children to play football. When the Leeds Sports Complex right. Academy was yes, around, yeah, when it started, yeah. I mean, when, it's still when, there, but it, then it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When yeah. when you go there, people actually like people from banks and whatever come to drop their children. Just, 
and then you know they play yeah. football and then on days when they have tournaments they, they come to support them and stuff and mm. i was like what sort of ghana am i seeing <laughs> because it's not the same ghana i grew yeah. up with. these these are people who like and the normal circumstances the children should be running there and like without yeah. their parents being exactly aware of it. so yeah. so i think that the conversation is changing if you go to the right to dream academy for instance yeah. there are people who you know are doing like really good things for their children over there their children are there camp there playing football 24 7 going to class for seven hours in a day and then just doing football 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 and their parents are really really does, do, does any of, does any of the local leagues have uh academy like a solid um, academy well, well the, the only the only um the only teams that have academies are um, wafa uh, okay the, that used to be formerly the red bull they have a link with Salzburg and, okay, and Leipzig, okay, then that's and so good. some of their players sort of go there to play and all of that. They have one in Senegal, and that's why Mane got the opportunity to play at that's Salzburg. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. so that team, and then and then Liberty. Okay. Um, you know, we all know. Okay, the, Liberty yeah, is a really yeah, old club. Exactly. So we all yeah. know the Liberty Academy. I mean, SCN, SCN Muntari, and Derek Boateng, and all of those boys. So those are like the only two Hearts of Oak no academy for them. The, the Hearts of Oak junior team mm-hmm. is is where they train some of the players who come into the Hearts of Oak team proper. But it's, but not, an it's, not, it's not an actual academy that you would call an academy. So, wow. yeah, but I mean, these are things that sh- should be done you yeah. know, for them. Else, the foreign teams will just keep coming here mm-hmm. and putting academies here and taking our players away and luring them to actually change nationalities, nationalities for, for them. You, you know, there's this player, um, Kingsley Safo. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. I've heard of him. He was, he was he's a defender, right? No, he's actually an attacker. He's an attacker. Very, very okay. good player. You know, really good trickster and everything. What happened to him was that he was he was in Kumasi and then there was these Swedish guys who came to do um, one mm. of these scouting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something like that. And then they took him away. So, so he went to Sweden for just about five years and they convinced this guy to, to actually believe that he's Swedish. <laughs> and so when the GFA heard that Kingsley was trying to change to Swedish nationality, then Kosiapia, you know, sort of went there to speak to him, speak to him and help. So, so we actually brought him into the Black Stars to play a game just to tie him down. No. <laughs> After he played for the Black Stars and went back, that was when his problem started. <laughs> you get oh, it? Now, he, now he's in jail. I mean, he's in jail for oh, defiling he's the one who... Old. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> exactly. I heard about that story. There's a, <laughs> exactly. Wait, what? And, and he's yeah, in he's in jail for defiling a 50-year-old. I heard a story about and, and many of us sort of have discrepancies in the story because we don't seem to think that is is the actual representation of what happened because it doesn't make sense that the guy comes to, to represent Ghana and no, after he goes sudden. back, it's not even a year and he's, and he's just thrown into jail. So I feel like there's some... Conspiracy, or you know, they've invested <laughs> so much in him, and then all of a sudden, because they've invested so much in him, they feel like and it's a stab in the back for right, them. But, right. but yeah, I mean, if if we had academies that could keep these guys here, then 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 we could have you know sort of convinced them to stay here. This this, this might be a bit out of, out of way, mm-hmm. but you you've been following the elections, yeah, for, uh, the GF elections, yeah, yeah, quite closely. In your expertise, mm-hmm. you know. Which 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 of the candidates is gearing or looking towards? That? I think I've only heard one candidate speak of Colts football. Well, I think that all of them actually have have Colts football as as, as central as, as of their points. But I mean, if if you look at it closely, um, Kurt has been really good at hammering that Colts football deal because he he has a club, Dreams FC. Dreams right, FC right, are okay. um, you know one of the Burden clubs in the country, they're doing really well for themselves. Is this the third division or second division? No, they're in the Premier League, actually. Oh, okay. They are the only team catered by Nike in oh, Ghana. Really? Yeah. 
So, so, so <laughs> they must have very strong. Yeah, and 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 it's the reason why Kurt feels like he has the wherewithal now to become GFA president because okay. of the sort of deals that he's able to yeah. broker. So, so he has called Football Central to his points. The um, the chief executive officer of Accra Great Olympics, Fred Papo, also hammers called football a lot, and and he is also very vital at this point because. In the previous administration under under Kusinyante, he was vice president. Oh. He was also an active member of the Ben Kofi era that put down the blueprint for youth football in the country. So he sort of has a lot of expertise yes, in, yeah. in, 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 in that section. So listening to those two, I think that I've been really impressed. The others usually talk about trying to rebrand the, re yeah, the FA. Yeah, and yeah. That's, the that's why I hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but these two guys, you know, are really sort of looking into yeah, that whole details uh, yeah on, on grassroots football yeah. and how to promote it and all of that but you know it has to change a lot of things have to change because if you go around the country smiley and, and ko it will shock you how many players that the country chants out the last time the, there was a, a, a data statistic that came out and said that we actually export around 500 players every year as a country 500 yes close to 500 <laughs> players every year wow. <laughs> you hear yeah you don't you don't hear things like you probably this. just hear about like five percent of them exactly you know, you talk and, and, and and you see many of the players who go yeah. do not do not go out there for more than <laughs> they do not go out there for more than hundred thousand dollars do you get it yeah. there are players who are sold for Twenty thousand dollars. There are players who are sold for as low as seven thousand dollars. And then from Ghana, you know, you have the people who are managing them, reaping them continuously. But exactly. then we only get like some one-time payments, mm -hmm. and then that's that's it. the thing, you know. So, so, so those are things that we need to look forward to. That you know, I spoke to some of the club owners, and they are still, you know, many of them are still looking at selling a Ghanaian player from here to say a team like Alali. Well, I mean that they're just looking at. Because me, I, I, you, you are there. I'm not even thinking about them. I'm, I'm looking within. Kaiser Chiefs, I don't think so. So but like you they, they, they just want to sell someone for big money. For big money, yeah. I, I think that they, they've, they've pegged the target at ten million dollars. They want to sell someone from Ghana ten, for ten million dollars. What's the highest transfer fee? Because for Ghana, me, I feel like it's weird. So. The, the but it won't be from here. To no, it won't be from here to. Uh, yeah, for, but like the, the highest Ghanaian. Asian. SN. Yeah. yeah, from uh, from a player going from Ghana outside. From Ghana outside, no, from Ghana outside. I mean, there's, 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 there's too many oh, hidden deals. Yeah, but then, like, if we're talking about Ghanaian, yeah, I think I think it's yeah. But 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 I mean, if 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 that is done, then they can sort of improve the structures that they have. My problem is when they get their monies, what do they use their monies for? Because the money has to be reinvested in football. But, but you know, it's, it's, not, it's not even reinvested. The, the, the money should be in football. Yes. It's not re the money shouldn't be about them holding it. It's wherever the money goes. See, and, it should be a football that's, that's what the problem is. I mean, the, the, the owner of Tema Youth Football Club sold yeah. Joseph Pinto to Genk for a lot of money. I mean, I, I think it was, it was over a million at, at the time. Mm. Yeah, for a lot of money. Wow. And look at the state of Tema Youth. They do not have a bus. <laughs> they do not have a ground where they play at because they still play at the Tema Sports Stadium where they have to pay the National Sports Authority yeah. every time. So if you look at these things, you, you tend not to understand things. How much will it cost to make an AstroTurf pitch? Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost more than $20,000 for an average AstroTurf pitch. So it's just can, like a like capacity for like 5000 For like 5000 Nothing people. big. It won't cost more than $50,000 to do something like that. So why don't they try to invest in things like that? 
and sort of look look to creating more talents from giving them the best you know welfare they need so it's it's a problem i think it's a problem with individuals the way our governance structure have gone has gone where our presidents and our ministers think about themselves yeah. is the same way they are running they the do. football and so we can talk and talk and talk but it will just come down to one thing if the people are not selfless enough we'll still find ourselves in that in that hole uh, i'm trying to see it from maybe their side maybe can it be a case of they pumping so much money themselves that they are trying to get it back Smiley, if you, you pump in money, yes, yeah. but have you pumped in $200,000? I don't think they look, I don't think they take it, they look at it as businessmen, they just look at it as a money making venture, exactly. You know, um, so just hit the jackpot with yeah, some, yeah. one player, one player. Every year. then you make cool, yeah. And you know, um, obviously, in the long in the bigger picture, it doesn't really add to anything, they might. Have their profits or have their monies uh, gotten and then sort themselves out. But then, you know, in terms of Ghana football, we really wouldn't see that much change. And uh, on that bombshell, you know, let's <laughs> call it an episode. That'd be really, really impactful. Um, I want to thank Kawawa, yeah. you know, for okay. his insight. Anytime, and anytime. you guys, please check out the documentary on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. 10 years after Ghana's been at the Under 20 World Cup. Uh, ATW, we keep putting people on, and hopefully, ah. you guys too. You also put us on. So, on that note, ATW, dominate the conversation. Thank you, Smiley. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a Gold Coast Report production. Hi, Hi guys. I'm Corey. And I'm Thandi, and we're from the GCR Network. GCR Live is a live podcasting event happening at Front Back, November 2nd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's going to have all your favorite podcasts from After the Whistle, After Work Special, and Cecilia Croft. As well as The Other Room, Sex and Sanity, Free Your Mind, and many more. Now remember, again, it's happening here at From Back on the 2nd of November from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And it's absolutely free, free. but you have to remember to RSVP by the 1st of November. We'd love to have you, so please be here. Yeah, what do you think? He don't know the carry man flies. Trouble the sleep you for shine your eye. Make you no envy another man's eye. You for what you miss. Do not finish your race.